Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Monday, had a wonderful weekend. The Oscars were last night. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed them. There's a lot to talk about with the Academy Awards. We're going to get into everything from the actual show to the winners, the surprises, the sure bets. We're going to get into all that. Unfortunately, Jason's not going to be on today, but I am going to have him on for tomorrow. So I'll give a quick little recap. Of, of the night and the events, but then we'll go into a more in-depth recap of everything that the, the Academy did this year, what it means for the future, what it means for now, and a whole lot more. But I'll, I'll give a broader recap of what the 92nd Annual Academy Awards happened last night. I'm also going to be talking about some trailers that came out over the last few days, some news also, but of course the first thing I want to talk about is the weekend box office before I get into all the Oscars talk. There was a big movie that did come out this weekend, and unfortunately, even though it is the first comic book movie to come out this year, it doesn't seem like it really transferred over, at least in its opening weekend at the box office, and that is Birds of Prey, and the longer title is The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, a film that by a lot of box office prognosticator standards was supposed to come in at around 50 to $55 million, but then early reports that are coming out from the preview nights in which after Thursday only made around $4 million, and then on Friday made $13 million, and that signaled a little bit of a, of a troubling sign of this weekend of what was to come for this film, and that it was going to come in below expectations, and of course that is exactly what happened. The film came in with $33.2 million this weekend domestically, and worldwide it has made so far $81 million in the overall box office, and when you look at the initial numbers, it's not very good. Just to put it bluntly, this is not a good sign for Birds of Prey. And what they, I'm sure what the movie industry was looking for right now, what Warner Brothers was certainly looking for, which I'll get into them in a minute. But for Margot Robbie, I feel especially bad for because this is really her baby. This was something that she put her blood, sweat, and tears into while making Suicide Squad. And this is really one of her first films especially her first major film as a producer putting everything she had into this so I feel bad for her because I I, I saw the movie and I'll have a review out in the next few days but she, personally I, I really enjoyed this movie I thought especially for her Margot Robbie she gave an incredible performance so I was kind of sad to see this but there there are multiple reasons for this movie not doing the best it possibly could have done and you, there's been a lot of articles that have come out over the last few days explaining those reasons, and it's really right on the nose. We talk about the R rating. The R rating, as we've seen over the last few years, can work. It definitely can. You look, most importantly, you look at Deadpool, which really started this whole trend of R-rated superhero films, followed by the likes of a Logan, which was able to have a successful case of going forward momentum you look at joker which did it last year becoming not just the highest grossing comic book or like horror comic book movie surpassing deadpool but becoming the highest grossing r-rated com r-rated film of all time for for a, a movie with that kind of standard so warner brothers thought doing this maybe they, they had a little they, they had some leeway going forward that maybe wouldn't make that kind of money what joker made but it would still be a box office hit and really before Bad Boys for Life came out, this was predicted to be, projected at least to be, the big, the, the first big blockbuster of the year. But then I think Bad Boys for Life came around and kind of flipped things on his heels where people saw that, the reviews were really good for that film, 
and it went on its way. And the same thing here where there was some interest in the film. It got really good reviews. It has around an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It has around like an 80 or so percent critically and and audience-wise as well. So there's a lot of buzz for this movie, but I think because of the R rating, you do alienate a core group of people that saw this movie because this isn't a movie that is a standalone film like Deadpool was or even Logan was able to transfer over, but that isn't a event movie. That was billed not just as another X-Men film, but the last film with both Hugh Jackman, who is a great actor and kind of transitioned forward a new era of comic book films, and also Patrick Stewart, who was along with Hugh Jackman for the ride since 2000. So that was labeled as a big event film as well. And then, of course, Joker was an original film. No, It had no ties to anything whatsoever. It was an original story from Todd Phillips. It was a different character with Joaquin Phoenix. And so, but with, Sue, but with Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn is somebody who transitioned from a PG-13 film over to a rated R film. And it worked with Logan, but again, what I just said before, it was labeled as this event film. And Birds of Prey really wasn't labeled as an event film. It was projected to be a big, uh, the first big blockbuster, but nobody projected it to make over a billion dollars. If it does that, maybe down the line, that would be surprising, but it doesn't seem like it's going to do that right now. The character of Harley Quinn transitioning from Suicide Squad, which is a PG-13 film, which people, the highlight of that movie really was Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, and to put her in a an R-rated film of her own standard, I think kind of alienated a lot of people towards seeing that movie. And also, I think as well, the title of this movie, I there, there's an article from Scott Mendelson, which he, he kind of runs down the list of why this movie didn't do the best that it possibly could have. And I think one of those big reasons is the title. This really, and, and I'll say it in the review that I do for Birds of Prey later, this isn't a this isn't a Birds of Prey movie. I think as a Birds of Prey movie, it's it's okay. As a Harley Quinn movie, I think it's great. I think it's really really good to great. And the, the title in it, it's not really a Birds of Prey movie. It's a Harley Quinn film. It's about Harley Quinn, and the Birds of Prey is kind of uses a backdrop. So I think. Scott Mendelson kind of put in one of his title figures in his article in that it should have been retitled something like Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. I think Harley Quinn should have been the title of this movie because the people behind it were all for Harley Quinn. It's It should have been that, and I think that is a huge reason for why this movie didn't do as well. And also, this is just, going back to the Warner Brothers point, I just also feel bad for Warner Brothers at this point as well because other than It Chapter 2 and Joker, which hit it out of the park, 2019 was not a very good year for them. You look at from the very beginning of the year when they had the Lego Movie 2, Godzilla, then you go to their smaller films, The Kitchen, Blinded by the Light, you had The Goldfinch, you had Richard Jewell, films that that people that they thought would attract people, especially towards the end of the year when you had Richard Jewell, when you had The Goldfinch, which didn't get a lot of good reviews, but but more more along with something like a Richard Jewell where you thought people would come out for it, would turn out for these films. And and the same thing with Blinded by the Light as well, where that was a great film, but people just didn't turn out for them. And, and, it, and the box office bombed for it. The film bombed financially for those reasons. And it's a trend that has continued so far for the studio, unfortunately, which they got great critical reviews for it. But at least opening weekend, the film hasn't been up to par. Now the question becomes, can they rebound from this? Because... With any movie, really, it's all about the legs. Even when a film opens big, even even if a film has one of the best box office openings of all time, 
It's about the run. Where are the legs going to go? What is the end result going to be for a movie? And when a film opens small like this, the thing about it is that it still had great buzz. That's the thing that's going to hold this movie together is the fact that people that probably come out of this movie got a B-plus cinema score. People are, are going to talk about this movie a little bit. And I think it could get people to go into the movie theater. And I think when you have the likes of Valentine's Day weekend, President's Day weekend next week, you have the next few weeks where there's some movies coming out, but they're not to the level that Birds of Prey is. I think the next big movie that Birds of Prey would have to worry about is Onward, which is Disney and Pixar. So you have a few weeks to build up this stamina once again and finish strong, whether it's worldwide, internationally, domestically, you build it back up because right now this movie was only made for around $90, $98 million after marketing that it's going to need to at least get to over $200 million to get into the red and out of the black. So this the, the, the next few weeks are crucial, more crucial than I think Warner Brothers and Margot Robbie and, and people, the people behind this film would want it to be right now, but it's not a total loss just yet. The next few weeks are going to be very telling, and but it's going to be tough because next week you have an assortment of movies that are coming out between Sonic the Hedgehog, which seems like it could be poised to take the number one spot at the box office. You have Fantasy Island from Blumhouse. You have The Photograph. There's next weekend, which I'll get into on Wednesday when I preview the weekend ahead, there's an assortment of movies for everyone to go see. It's one of those weekends where you have the romantic film with the photograph, you have the horror thriller with Fantasy Island, the kids movie with Sonic. There's something for everybody to see and Birds of Prey is going to have to now position itself as the must-see for that weekend and for the next weekend or so to follow. So, I think, unfortunately, this is the next few weekends are going to be crucial for Birds of Prey going forward if they really want to reap the benefits of, of their rewards and, and greenlight a sequel, greenlight more for these characters because the box office doesn't do well, then that's going to be very telling going forward because I would want to see more. I, w I want to see more from these characters. I think that, again, as a Birds of Prey, I want to see more. I want to see more from the Black Canary, from the Huntress, even though they, especially the Huntress wasn't showcased as much. I want to see more of these characters going forward. They were so good and so well done and in the little time that they were given that I want to see them in future spinoffs, uh, main installments of this or something else, give me more of it. And I would be very excited to see that going forward. So hopefully Birds of Prey is able to reap some, some money out in the next few weekends to really make a benefit for Warner Brothers and DC going forward. And this, this is one of the lowest grossing comic book films ever since Jonah Hex in 2010. Nobody even, Nobody, I think, even remembers that film until it's associated with with a downgraded box office. I, I even forget that movie with Josh Brolin and, and Megan Fox. And it's lower than Shazam, which had the lowest grossing opening for DC film. But it made around $50 million, which is what people thought Birds of Prey was going to make. And it had a, a good run at the box office over the next few weeks to turn in a profit. And that's, and, and that's a struggle that Birds of Prey has right now. And it's going to have to make up over the next few weeks. What do you guys think about that? Let me know down below in the comment section. But let me go through the rest of the box office real quick. Number two, once again, Bad Boys for Life. Goes another $12 million. It has $166 million domestically. And now eclipses over $336 million worldwide. It is now officially the highest grossing Bad Boys film in the franchise. There is a fourth one now greenlit to continue. And th this was, again, a, a really solid film. Uh, to me, a really good film. Such a fun time at the theaters, and I'm happy to see that Bad Boys for Life is making is having success 
at the box office. Coming in at number three is 1917, grossing another $9 million at the box office, $132.5 million domestically, and $287 million worldwide. Again, a great performance for this film that had a lot of boost overall during the award season and had a lot of buzz so people wanted to go check this movie out. And I'm sure even though it probably didn't have the results that it wanted to, I'll get into that in a little bit at the Academy this year, it still I think will have a boost in its run over the next few weeks with the Academy, with the Oscar telecast still fresh in everybody's minds. Going on to number four is Doolittle, grossing another $6 million at the box office, now at $63 million domestically and $158 million worldwide. It's closing in on its budget numbers, but it's still going to need around two to $300 million to get out of the black into the red and be a profit for Universal going forward, but it doesn't seem like that is going to happen with this film. Coming in at number five is Jumanji, the next level grossing $5 million this weekend. It now has $298 million domestically and $768 million worldwide. This movie just keeps on giving. It still has the legs at this point. It came out on December 12th, December 13th, around that weekend, and it's still in the top five at the box office. It's still in the top five. Star Wars is at the bottom half of the box office now but jumanji is still there that is just such an incredible feat for sony right now both with this and bad boys for life it's on a roll right now i'm so happy for the rock for kevin hart the crew the rest of the cast of this film the fact that they're still here again even though it hasn't turned a profit that it, it hasn't it still hasn't reached over 900 million dollars for welcome to the jungle still for a sequel and to see if it could work once again a few years later it's it's been able to I think do very very well for itself. It has the legs that it's had. It's been in it's been in the top tie for over a month and a half. I mean, it's it's insane to think about about that. And if it stays in here next week, which will be tough. Again, you have four movies that are coming out. Some of them could buy for the top five of the box office, which could push Jumanji down to the bottom half in the eight to ten slot. It's still an incredible feat that. It could be two months, and, and Jumanji is at least still in the top 10 at the box office. So congratulations to everyone that was a part of that crew. Coming in at number six is The Gentleman, directed and written by Guy Ritchie. It has $4 million this weekend, and it now has an official gross of $26 million domestically and $60 million worldwide. A good modest run for The Gentleman, which I really do enjoy. It's It was such a, a witty, fun crime thriller with McConaughey who was fantastic with Charlie Hunnam and Hugh Grant who steal the show so I'm really happy to see gentlemen really doing some good work at the box office over the last few weeks coming in at number seven is Gretel and Hansel grossing another three million dollars at the box office 11 million dollars domestically and 13 million dollars worldwide and a run for Gretel and Hansel but a lot better than when you look at what The Grudge did and what The Turning did and what Underwater did as well, it, it's definitely stayed in more so than those movies did at the at the first month of 2020. Now moving on to number eight, which is an incredible story. Knives Out comes back in the t into the top ten after being in at number 11 last week and grossing another $2 million, $158 million domestically, and $299 million worldwide. It's going to eclipse over $300 million. It'll become the highest grossing original film in Lionsgate history, and again, just an incredible story. Um, it got that bump from the Academy for sure. It was up for a Best Original Screenplay nomination from Ryan Johnson, 
And the fact that this film, which came out in November, November, it's been out for well over two months, almost three soon, and it's going to still be in the top ten at the box office. It was in, it was at number eleven last weekend, and it got a little bit of a bump to get back into the top ten at number eight. So just an incredible job for this movie. It was announced that a sequel will be coming out. So there's a lot of love for this movie. Lionsgate sees that, and I'm excited to see where this film goes, franchise now goes, in the future. Coming in at number nine, getting another big boost from the box office. Little Women grossing another $2 million at the box office this weekend. Now has $102 million domestically and $177 million worldwide. A great, great job by Sony, Amy Pascal, Greta Gerwig. It's been able to have such a really, really great box office run along with the awards that it was able to retain throughout award season and having a, a big win last night for best costume design. So big win for the Little Women overall, and I think it'll be etched in people's memories in, in, in for a while for the run that it had. And even even being a film that has been done before, it's still really transferred in a lot of people's minds and people nowadays, especially where... A lot of females now stand nowadays and, and and empowering females and empowering people in general. I think people can really relate to this film in more ways, even though it takes place in pre pre times when it takes place more in 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 times where we read about in history books now. So I think it's really incredible to see what little women is able to do right now. And we'll see if it gets a big bump. Like some of these other awards films like 1917 or even Parasite, which we'll get into in a little bit. We'll see if it can do that at the box office. And then rounding out the top 10 is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker grossing $2 million at the box office. Now has $510 million domestically and still $1 billion at the worldwide box office. Still unable to eclipse Joker, which is also a billion dollar film. The lowest grossing one in the new sequel trilogy Still, again, when you have over half a million, half a billion dollars at the domestic box office, over a billion dollars at the worldwide, it's still a great success story, and it just reminds people of the dominance that Disney at least imposed last year. We'll see if, if it's able to translate over this year when their first true Disney film from one of their major studios comes out next month on March 6th with Onward with Tom Holland and Chris Pratt from Pixar. So we'll see that what that does, but it's just a reminder for the dominance that Disney had and imposed, especially last year for the end of the decade. What did you guys think of this weekend's box office? What do you think of Birds of Prey? Can it rebound? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to the big news of the day, the, the thing that everybody is talking about, and that is the 92nd Annual Academy Awards were last night. Awards were given out to people that we knew were surefire bets, some surprises along the way, and we're going to get into it right now. So to get into the major awards, Parasite came out victorious with the most awards for the night. Joker came in with the most nominations for 11, but Parasite comes out victorious, shocking the world, winning the two biggest prizes of the night, wins Best Picture. It comes only the second film to win both, both Best Picture and the Palme d'Or, which it won back in May of last year at the Cannes Film Festival. Well, really, that's when the ball and the hype started rolling for Bong Joon-ho and the cast and crew for Parasite. It becomes the first non-English film to win the Best Picture Award at the box office, the first South Korean movie, the first Korean movie to win Best Picture. A lot of history was broken last night for 
the Oscars and for cinema history with Best Picture. But also, Bong Joon-ho went on to win Best Director, becomes the first Korean filmmaker to win the Oscar, and also... It showed a little bit of a distance between the DGA and the Oscars, with the GGA going to Sam Mendes for 1917. However, the Academy went a different way with Parasite, and they awarded Bong Joon-ho for that award, in which a lot of people have him as the heavy favorite, but in only the eighth time in Oscar history, the DGA and the Oscar did not align. The only times that that happened were in 1968, when the DGA went to Anthony Harvey for The Lion in the Winter, and the Oscar went to Carol Reed. 72, Coppola won the DGA for The Godfather, but Bob Fosse won for Cabaret. 85, went to Steven Spielberg for The Color Purple, but Cindy Pollock won the award for Out of Africa. The DGA went to Ron Howard in 95 for Apollo 13, but he did not receive an Oscar nomination for that film. And Mel Gibson won the award at the Academy Award for Braveheart. In 2000, Ang Lee was the winner at the DGA for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And Steven Soderbergh won the Oscar that year for tra- Traffic. In 2002, the DGA went to Rob Marshall for Chicago, but the Oscar went to Robin Polanski for The Pianist. And then, of course, most recently was in 2012 when the DGA went to Ben Affleck for Argo, but Ang Lee won for Life of Pi, and Ben Affleck wasn't even nominated for Argo, which helped translate its win into Best Picture that year. And so th- there's there's been a lot of there's been a lot of years in between this year and 2012 in which the GGA and the Oscar did not line and it's it's been what what an incredible feat and also best international film Parasite won as well as the first Korean movie to win best international feature the first film to win international feature since it was renamed from foreign film to international film and it also won Best Original Screenplay for Bong and Hong Joon-wo. They are the first Asian writers to win Best Original Screenplay. And so just to take this all in, this was such an incredibly historical night that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. There was there was always something about Parasite. And I remember when, when you guys, if you guys heard my interviews with Jason over the last few weeks, we, we we went on the safe side. I, I did not pick Parasite to win my ballot for for best for best picture. I picked 1917 to win it. And I'm just getting my ballot real quick. I, I had 1917 winning best picture and best director because when we look at the PGA and we look at the DGA, they just we, we, we there there was no denying that they were the biggest precursors to look at for any indication. But we we said it over the last few weeks, and I've been saying it over the last few months. There's just been, there's been some love for Parasite that has just been there that I haven't seen before covering award season. And I've covered a lot of them over the last few years. There's never been a more passionate love for a film. I remember reading social media when when who Scott Feinberg and and looking at, at at what he's done at Hollywood Reporter, which if you want some big insight, always look at what Scott Feinberg does. He is just one of the best when it comes to to award season prognosticating, Oscar prognosticating. He's one of the big insiders to look at. And he always goes on Twitter and he's always at, at these events and he goes on to tweet about how, and a lot of other people as well, about how when you look at these luncheons and when the Golden Globes were going around, at all these events that people wanted to talk to Bong Joon-ho and the cast of Parasite and and and, and show their respect and, and show the love that they had for that movie and they were anticipating seeing them like they were superstars in their own right. That the stars that we know, the people that we look at as, as stars, some of them maybe even superstars and legends, saw them as even bigger legends in that moment. And there was just a swell that 
we all thought maybe it could happen, but these precursors that we know over at least the last few years, they haven't lied to us. So why would we go against the grain if we're betting people and, and we fill out these ballots and we're and, and, and we really pay attention to this stuff? Why would we go against it? And so that's why I had 1917 winning Best Director and Best Picture for Sam Mendes because he won the DGA, 1917 won the PGA. They, they used the same ballot that the Academy uses when it comes to selecting Best Picture. But again, it was just that passion for Parasite that was there. And, and another big calling card to it was at the SAG Awards, which I, except for the acting awards, I don't really pay attention to at least when predicting the Oscars for when Best Ensemble goes out. But this year, when you looked at The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bombshell, when they went up to present their films, they got a nice clap and a, and a nice greeting. But when the cast of Parasite came onto the stage, I never saw an ovation, a standing ovation given to any other film than that one when... Parasite came on stage. And when I when I've been watching the SAG, I've never seen that before in my entire life, and I was stunned by it. And at that time, I knew that that was it was going to win Best Ensemble, and that gave me more evidence, at least of an inkling in the back of my mind, that Parasite might have a shot of winning Best Picture. And it was the underdog from the start. It was always a film that potentially could. And people wanted at least at first give it to 1917 because it is the conventional Oscar film. It's got the war motifs. It's got that incredible technical aspect of the one shot, one take aspect. But when you look at what Parasite was able to accomplish, again, I got them wrong, but I am so happy to be wrong. I've never been more happy to be wrong for a, a movie not winning than I am for Parasite because it, it, it signifies an accomplishment and at least a look at the Academy that maybe next year we don't agree with what wins Best Picture. But I think for this year, unanimously, Parasite was that film. Parasite on so many people's boards was one of the best films of the year. It was on my board for one of the best films of the year as well. Not my number one, but it was in my top five for one of the best films of last year. And it was just, there was just such a groundswell for this movie from the start. And every time they got on stage... At the Oscars, there was standing ovations, great round of applause. And at the end, when the Best Picture Award was given and the lights were dimming down, I, I never these were all firsts that I saw where the crowd was engaged and the crowd was like, no, let them finish, let them let them have their moment. I, you saw Tom Hanks do it, Charlize. I've never seen that before, and, get, and they gave those kinds of reactions. It was incredible absolutely incredible i've never seen anything like that before and also i think it is the fact that for parasite to be a non-english movie to be a south korean movie to be an international film to win not just international film but best picture is incredible because with roma last year and even this year, I think when we talk about a lot of films that could be nominated for both of those categories we always look at if if Roma doesn't win Best International Film, it has a great shot of winning Best Picture. But if it wins International Film, then it doesn't have a good shot of winning Best Picture. Parasite won both of those awards. Both of them. And it didn't matter. And for Bong Joon-ho as well, he, he delivered a masterful film. And he's probably the most liked person in Hollywood right now. In movie making. You, the guy is so charismatic and so thoughtful and so nice. There's not... 
bad thing, a negative thing to say about the guy. You just love him to death, and he and he's such a masterful director that I just think it's it's just absolutely incredible. And the fact that what we watched in filmmaking was for I know a lot of filmmakers as well that would that that are looking to do filmmaking down the line. And I think the fact that you can make a small movie like this and you can make an international film, you can be from a foreign country, you can be from another place and still come out on top, be on that big stage. If you make an exceptional movie like Parasite was and do that, you're awarded that. And I think also this is great for the Academy because you get the positive buzz going because we know everything that happened this year where you didn't nominate more di- diversely, no women in the directing category, not a lot of women of women and men of, of color in the acting categories. There wasn't a whole lot of that this year. But I think the fact that Parasite was always that thing where people were saying all these things, but I always said that, yeah, but you have the South Korean movie that is coming out right now that is that could change the landscape, and that is exactly what it did. I think they're getting their due, they're getting the praise, and for the Academy, at least for right now, kind of like what happened with Moonlight, this gets something off their back right now. And it could happen next year where it gets back on them, and we could be having the conversation that people were having last year with Green Book. We could be getting back on that train, but for right now, the best picture of the year one, and again, I think I, I speak for me, I speak for Jason, who I talked to last night, who we both picked 1917 to win Best Director and Best Picture. We've never been more happy to be wrong in choosing something that, that didn't win because, again, we said it on, on the podcast. We, I would, All these films deserve to win Best Picture. They, they do. They really do. They are all worthy pictures between 1917 and Parasite, which deserve that award. If 1917 won, I would be happy for 1917 because that was another great film as well. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was one of my other favorite films of last year as well. I would have been happy for that one to win. JoJo, Marriage Story, Joker, those are all some of my favorite films from last year that came out. And I would have loved to see them get up there as well. It was great to see Taika up there, which won JoJo's only award of the night for Best Adapted Screenplay. But So I just think for the, there's just so much to look forward to. So many awards that were given out to so many different different films. It's it's just incredible. And, and I'm so happy... For Parasite, I'm going to be watching it again. And also, it just came out earlier today as well, is that Collider reported from Jeff Snyder and the people over Collider that they, they held on to the story because they didn't want, which is smart, they didn't want to get into the voting body way. There was a lot of buzz towards Parasite. They just wanted to focus on the film. But now, according to Collider and Jeff Snyder, there is talks between Mark Ruffalo, who was at the Academy last night presenting the documentary section, and Parasite, in which there there's a TV show that's being produced by HBO now it's going to be involved with Bong and Adam McKay are going to be the showrunners for it and right now Mark Ruffalo is being looked at for the lead so I think for HBO right now even though this thing isn't going to come out until at least next year the latest maybe even 2022 2023 maybe the 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 latest maybe 2022 the earliest 2023 the latest it's I, I think the fact that HBO has something where there's such a great momentum, a great buzz about Parasite right now. Maybe in the next few years they can keep that ball rolling. They can say, hey, you like you love the movie Parasite. Check out this more in-depth look. 
And again, I said it on on, on, on my Twitter account. If Bong, as long as he's attached to this, kind of like with, with Knives Out, as long as Ryan Johnson's attached to that, I'll see those movies and I'll be excited for those movies. As long as Bong Joon-ho is attached to this project and he has his fingers in it in some way, shape, or form, he doesn't have to be directing it, which he says he isn't, but if he's involved in the story and giving ideas and expanding the world that he created, then I am all for this being created as a limited series and being done with and so i'm really excited for that and also i i want to give a great shout out to neon because they're a student they're also a little engine that could they're they're no walt disney they're no sony they're no universal they're no warner brothers they are in a24 when a24 was just starting out they are they're three years in the making right now they started out a few years ago and People were wondering during award season that maybe because it doesn't have the backing of a Sony, a Searchlight, that it's not going to find the success that it would at one of those major studios because they know how to market an awards an, an awards movie. But the fact that Neon and, 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 its, and its owner and its runner, Tom Quinn, were able to keep Parasite in everybody's minds, keep the momentum going. Never, It was never out of the spotlight this entire award season. It was always in the running. Whether it just won international feature, if, it, if Bong won for director, if it won for screenplay, it was always in the mix and it was always on people's minds no matter what. And for Neon to pull out all the stops for a little company and win four Academy Awards. Also this, Bong Joon-ho has the most, individually, has the most awards alongside Walt Disney. Individually, has more, has, has around the same awards as the late, great, genius Walt Disney. That is incredible. And when you see the likes of ABC, NBC, when you see them all do their post-Oscars recap, and they interview Bong, and they interview the producers that were a part of it, and they lay all their Oscars, it's not just like they're interviewing one person. Bong at least always had two in his hand, or when you look at a lot of these actors, they just have one. The Parasite had at least four Oscars on the table. Four! And when I was watching Live with Kelly and Ryan today for their Oscar recap... They had to have a cart because there were six Oscars on that table. Six. Six Oscars. At least four four Oscar categories that won for Parasite. But all those awards, you have to count all the awards that everyone that is a part of it. With the producers and then Bong, who won for Best Original Screenplay, along with his writer, Hong Jin Wong, who won as well. Those are a lot of individual Oscars for this film. And it's just, it's absolutely incredible that this film, which had so much passion behind it, was the underdog that everybody was rooting for, came out victorious. And I will say this about the the telecast, where it was good, but also, with all the awards, everything was going according to plan. There were a few awards that I think, personally, I should have gone for, but I didn't, but everything was pretty much going by design. You had original score go to Joker, you had... The sound, the sound goes split. Some people did have 4V Ferrari wing sound editing, and that went to it. You also had sound mixing go to 1917. Visual effects went to 1917. You had the actors that went all according to plan. Joaquin Phoenix, Laura Dern, Brad Pitt, Renee Zellweger. They were all surefire lock bits, and they won. Adapted and original screenplay. People had Parasite and Jojo Rabbit winning that. Those were the awards that were given to it. So there was a little bit of nip and tuck that... You know, this is all going to go go according to plan, and Parasite's going to win it. There, there's no surprises. 
But one's best director happened. One of the last awards of the night. That's when it got interesting. That is when it got really, really, really interesting. And I think I think Parasite, once it didn't win Best Film Editing and, and it lost a few awards, I was like, maybe it's not going to be this one. And Parasite, and, and not Parasite, 1917 wasn't running away with any awards either. It only won three awards. Sound mixing, visual effects, and cinematography, which it was all ex- ex- expected to win those three awards, especially cinematography. It was a lock from the first night that it came out in theaters when critics went to go see it and screeners went to see that movie. And so I think the fact that once Best Directing happened, that's when the tide shifted. And people, I remember texting Jason and I thought to myself, either Bong is going to win Best Director and they're going to split it as they've done over the last few years. It'll, it'll be Parasite winning Best Director and 1917 win, winning Best Picture. Or this is the tie that indicates that Parasite is going to walk away with Best Picture. And lo and behold, when Jane Fonda read out that card to Parasite, that room, I it, it sounded like it erupted from the TV that I was watching. I can't even imagine what it was like actually in the Dolby, the Dolby Theater. It, it was just, it was a night to remember. It was history in the making. And years and years from now, when I talk to my son, or when I talk to people, I'll remember when I talk to my kids, when I talk to anybody, I can remember this night when we were all a part of Oscar history. Oscar history was made last night. And we've always looked back on the tapes and we've always seen when Holly Berry won, Denzel won. And I wasn't alive for that, but I remember watching the YouTube videos and seeing them win and what it must have been like to see all these great people win. But when this happened... The first non-English film to win Best International Film and Best Picture, most importantly. It was history in the making that nobody will ever be able to take away from them. South Korea is a superstar today. Bong Joon-ho is a name that will last forever. And he's going to be that guy. Whatever film he makes next, everyone is going to want to be on top of it. He's going to be one of the most sought-after directors. And he's going to be one of those people that whatever he wants to make... He will make it, and people will be rushing in line to buy it. And whatever he comes out with next, it will be one of the most anticipated films of that year. He has gone onto that status. He is over the last few years, and and, and he's been in in the industry for around 20 years or so. He's come out with masterful movies from Snowpiercer to Murder of Mystery to Mom. Mama, he's come out, Okja, he's come out with phenomenal films, but now that he's got this recognition, People will be lining up at the door to be with this guy, both domestic and internationally. From South Korea, people will be wanting to line up with him. And here in America, he's worked with the likes of Jake Gyllenhaal, Chris Evans, Jamie Bell, Tilda Swinton. I think I said that name already, but he's he's worked with all these names already. And people will be lining up at the door to be a part of of Bong Joon-ho's next movie or whatever, however many movies he makes next. He is on that echelon now to being up there with the Tarantinos, the Scorseses, the, I don't even know who else he could be a part of, the Francis Ford Coppola's. He can be up there when all is said and done as one of the great filmmakers of all time at the rate that he's going at right now. And I think people are going to be more open to his movies. I think people are going to be interested in seeing them more 
And I'm excited to see where that lands in the future. So congratulations to everybody over at Parasite for their incredible work, their, incre- their incredible award season campaign. Again, it started in May when they won the Palm d'Or, but once they went to Telluride, they went to the film festivals again, it got the ball really, really rolling during that time period. And again, it's always in September. When you get into those film festivals, that's when award season really starts to count. We can get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We can get a parasite in in the summertime, and we can get some inklings of what's going to be coming. But it's not until late August when Venice comes out and early September when we get Telluride, Toronto, New York. That is when it really matters. And Parasite just kept the ball rolling, and the momentum never stopped for them from May to September all the way now to February 9th and 10th when the Oscars have come and gone, and they are the reigning champions of Best Picture at the Oscars, winning, becoming the 2019 Best Picture at the Oscars. So congratulations to them, to Neon, to Bong Joon-ho, to the entire cast, to the entire crew, and everybody that worked on that incredible, credible film that was Parasite. Moving on now to a few other awards that happened throughout the night. Again, 1917 won three awards, the second most of the night. Sound mixing, visual effects, and best cinematography. Ford v. Ferrari won two awards, film editing and sound editing, my number my number two movie of last year, and I was so happy to see it get the recognition that it deserved. It Even though it didn't get Best Picture, it, I wish Christian Bale got an award or at least a nomination for Best Actor, but Mangle, maybe Best Director, but it, it explains just how great of an award season this was. There were just so many incredible movies, but the fact that Ford v. Ferrari got some love and got some time and got a few golden trophies out of there, I think is very good and I'm so happy for that one. And of course, Joker, even though it came in with 11 nominations the most and only won two awards, and it was the two awards that a lot of people predicted it would win, Best Original Score, and of course, Best Actor for Joaquin Phoenix. He has finally done it, and he becomes the first ever actor to win. He becomes the first actor to win Best Actor for a comic book movie and becomes the first actor to win an Oscar for a film that grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. So history was made there. I enjoyed his speech, and to me, he has just been the best speech maker of this entire award season. While I can't relate to any of the things he was talking about, but I do think the fact of he talks about second chances and acceptance and and not being head and shoulders above everyone else, but even though he is one of the best actors of our decade, of our generation, really, he's just such a humble quirky guy and I and I've loved him this entire award season and I'm so happy to see him get up there and win an award and win the award as well and I think the the biggest passion award for me that one tonight was best original score I if there's one award that I wanted to champion and I picked it both both critically and from my heart it was Hilder for Joker that score to me it, it becomes a character in the movie I said it on Twitter, I said it in my review, I've said it during the, the, the award segments that I've done here on the podcast. To me, that that score becomes a part of the movie in haunting ways that are just immeasurable. I listen to it whenever I have a chance. It's just haunting and and beautifully tragic, and, and, and I just love every single moment of it. I love the, the speech she made, especially I think it was just, it was so poignant when she received the award from three butt-kicking female character actresses and Brie Larson for Captain Marvel, Sigourney Weaver for the Alien franchise, and as Ripley, and of course Gal Gadot as, as Wonder Woman. I thought it was just, it was an incredible moment to give that to her and to be the people that 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 
give that award to the recipient. And so it, it was just an incredible moment. And in and, and, and a, and a telecast, it was full of wonder, all incredible moments during the Oscars, some good, some bad. But one of the other major highlights that came out was Brad Pitt winning Best Supporting Actor, which was one of the two awards for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win. Brad Pitt had another incredible speech that I thought when when he said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, ain't that the truth? That was uh, that was an incredible moment. He get him getting choked up talking about his family and helping him move out there. And again, this was an award that was a long time coming since really the movie came out. That people thought that Brad Pitt had a shot to win, and he was just the, the front runner really ever since the Golden Globes came out. And I was happy to see him up there. He deserved that award. Also for best production design. Again, one, another one. Even though I had Parasite winning this award, I was so happy to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood give this get this award because I switched it at the last moment. For the longest time, I had production design going to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but for some reason, I wanted to change it. And what's funny, the awards that I had Parasite winning did not win, other than International Film and Screenplay. And the two awards that I really didn't have Parasite winning at all they ended up winning, which are the two biggest ones in the night. So I thought that was pretty funny. But for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to recreate 69 Hollywood in in California and in, in L.A. at that time, it's it's incredible. The aesthetic is, is unbelievable. I want to be sucked back into that world that Tarantino created with the incredible production design crew that he had. So I, I was so happy to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood get some love as well. Bombshell came out with the one award winning Best Makeup and Hairstyling, which was incredible. Deserved that award. There was no shock. Jojo Rabbit, again, won Best Original Screenplay for Taika Waititi, or won Best Adapted Screenplay, excuse me. Best Adapted Screenplay went to Taika adapting that book. And again, a, a, a different kind of speech, but to me, the highlight for him is when he stuck the Oscar behind under 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 the seat like it was nothing it was it's just a type of thing for him to do so i thought that was pretty funny but again really deserving for him to win that award and of course renee zellweger wins the only award for judy that night winning best actress even though i didn't like the speech i do think that again renee is absolutely incredible and she deserved that award and she just put on a show that was incredible in judy and, and she turned a movie that could have that was eh, okay okay to eh, to wonderful to a, a, an amazing film all really run by her performance as judy garland and she becomes only the seventh woman to win a lead and supporting oscar coming behind helen hayes ingrid bergman maggie smith meryl streep and kate blanchett not bad company to be behind in a in a, in a category like that. So, again, incredible company to be a part of. She was incredible. She had a gorgeous dress, by the way, for talking fashion real quick. I thought she had one of the best, co uh, not costumes, what am I saying? The, one of the best dresses of the entire night. I thought she looked like an Oscar. She was prepared for it. You could tell when, when you see people kind of just do it plain, simple, bedazzle like that, they feel like they're winning the Oscar. So I thought Renee came out like that, ready to go, and she knew she was going on stage to accept that award. And she was, she looked beautiful. She is beautiful, and I love that dress. And I think that was my favorite dress of the night. It was, it was simple. I'm a simple guy. It was simple, elegant, but bedazzled, and 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 an incredible dress. And I, and I loved it. And I'm happy she was able to win the award that she was really cut on to win ever since it came out in uh, during the film festival circuit during September. 
Then Little Women came out with one award, winning the, the the award that many people thought it was going to, which was Best Costume Design. Marriage Story, also a film that, when it came out in Telluride in Toronto, was pegged as potential frontrunner for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director at one point for Noah Baumbach, but only came out with one award, which was the Best Supporting Actress for Laura Dern, finally winning that award. I enjoyed her speech. I, it's very winning for her to receive that 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 award for marriage story and then of course toy story 4 came out victorious for best animated film and for a lot of people that thought maybe that maybe clouds could win or i lost my body to me I, even though i had a little reservation that maybe toy story 4 might not win this to me it's the academy will always anoint pixar and disney animation unless you come out with something that is groundbreaking and breathtaking and and unforgettable like last year with spider-man into the spider-verse if you don't come out with something like that then unfortunately that really kind of stays in with people they'll, they will award a disney movie and again this year to me it, it comes down to the three disney animated films that are coming out two from pixar one from disney animation with ray and the last dragon with onward and soul so i would not be surprised if one of those three end up winning the best animated feature film award as well and continues the streak once again for disney and i think toy story 4 deserved it as well it was it was a phenomenal movie that just kept the momentum going for this franchise that really hasn't skipped the beat whatsoever it when people were nervous for Toy Story 4, I was one of those people. I went into this film shocked by how much I adored this movie. It was it was phenomenal. So I'm so happy to see Toy Story 4 win Best Animated Feature. The big omission, though, for Netflix this year, which came in with the most nominations for a studio, but Neon tied with Universal and Disney for the most awards tonight. And unfortunately for Netflix, it only came out with two awards, winning Best Documentary Feature and Best Supporting Actress for Lord for Marriage Story. However, for its other big film that, when you look back at last year, when the first teaser teaser announcement trailer came out for The Irish, and people thought that it was going to be a frontrunner for Best Picture, it could win a whole bunch of awards for Scorsese, Pacino, De Niro, The Irishman, not really my surprise at all, came out with a donut hole. Zero awards for The Irishman. The one award that people thought it might have a chance at, which was Best Visual Effects, ultimately went to 1917. Everything else, it, it didn't really have a shot at whatsoever. And it, it's sad, but it's still a great movie. I think it will live on it, on Netflix forever and ever until, I don't even know, unless Netflix decides to shut down completely. But people will always be able to check this movie out. It'll live on during this award season. And even though it didn't have a great run, I think it's still one of the best films of last year. And people will... Whether you like it or dislike it, I think it'll be around for people to talk about for a long time. And also for Scarlett Johansson, even though she was the fifth one, she was one of the 12 people to receive a double acting nomination. Unfortunately, she went 0 for 2, becoming the fifth double acting nominee to go 0 and 2 at the Oscars. She joined Sigourney Weaver, who was in 1988, Emma Thompson in 93, Julianne Moore in 2002, and Kate Blanchett, the latest one in 2007 for Elizabeth the Golden Age and I'm Not There. So for, for Scarlett Johansson, this, again, it you know, is it bad that she didn't get it? I mean, it's not bad, but. She wasn't really predicted to win these awards. Was she phenomenal in both of them? Absolutely. I thought, other than the two kids with Thomas, Thomas Griffin Davis, or Roman Griffin Davis and Thomas and McKenzie, I thought Scarlett Johansson was the best thing in, in Jojo Rabbit. She stood out to me from beginning to end when she was on screen. And same thing with Marriage Story. Her and Adam Driver were incredible together. 
And she she had one of the best years you could, you could possibly have for an actress between being a part of the highest grossing film of all time now with Endgame and then going on to be in two Oscar-nominated films, being nominated for both of them is incredible. And, and I am sure she will be back at the Oscars dur- and there at awards season once again in the years to come. She's going to have a great year this year with Black Widow coming out in a few months. And maybe she comes out with something this year or in the next few years that she'll maybe one day end up on stage accepting an Oscar for whether supporting or, or best lead actress, she will be up there at one day and it wouldn't surprise me because she is a great actress and she has proven it. If she if there's one year that she has proven she's a great actress, it is this year in the versatile roles that she can play with Black Widow with a role playing a mother really and and a wife in both Marriage Story and a, as a mother in Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story as well. So she'll be back here, whether it's for two nominations again, I don't know, but definitely she'll be back here in the future years for award season and for the Oscars. And then just one last thing I want to get into quickly are is is the telecast itself. And I think there were a lot of highlights in the actual show that some were good, some were bad. I do think that I I thought that last year it went by quicker than I thought. This year I could feel it kind of dragging out a little bit, but they, they went bing bang boom as fast as they possibly could. But some things I, I just didn't think we needed. I thought the opening the opening performance by Janelle Monet, I thought that really got people into it. It got me into it. Unfortunately, as somebody who's a TV production kid, somebody who kind of knows and took a directing class last year, actually, who was looked at for performances, could definitely see that some of the camera shots they were cutting into, it felt like they had no idea what they were doing. Some things I thought, like the stand-up moment with Steve Martin and Chris Rock, that was okay at the beginning it was fine but then it got a little it got a little bland towards the end it was kind of the same shtick but i do like the performances i thought to me the the best thing about it was the m&m performance because yeah it was probably out there didn't need to be there probably not but just i love the the shock value of it i had no idea it was coming i loved it i it's a great song he won the oscar for it and there's really a history behind it in which he didn't perform the song there and all these years later he's decided to come out once again and perform this song so for me it's it, it was a cool moment to see Eminem kind of do that and it, you could definitely see the age gap between a lot of these people that you had the people like Martin Scorsese or Idina Menzel kind of maybe not into it but then you had people like Billie Eilish and, and you had Kelly Marie Tran and you had all some of these people just kind of really really into it and I love that and I really enjoyed it it gave bolts of energy and i think if there's one thing that this telecast had within the performances was bolts of energy and even when bong won that ignited energy into the award show i think and if it and if it went to mendez in 1917 i think we would be coming out talking about a different telecast a different oscars especially if if parasite didn't win because i think it ejected an adrenaline into people that that surprised a lot of people i thought the memoriam was really good billy Eilish did, did a very good job um, what else was there? Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph, I thought were, they were funny. I like that. They're so good together. And honestly, if the Academy were to go back to hosting, I would want them kind of like how the, the Golden Globe for a while had, it had Ricky Gervais and it had Tina Fey for about, and, and Amy Poehler for three straight years because they're just so good together. They're like yin and yang. They, they go hand in hand together. They're compatible. Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig are the exact same way. And I would love for them to come back together and do something. They had a nice little bit there. So they were to go back to hosting. I would want them to be the front runners to host. But at the same time, do you need an ebb and flow? I I do think you you need it because 
I do understand where people are coming from where you have people introduce the the act like the, the performances and, and you have people introduce other people that were introducing the performances. It, it was very weird. Like you had the actor that's gonna be in the Heights and who was in Hamilton introduce Lin Manuel Miranda, who introduced the the, the 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 song montage that introduced Eminem. So there was just a lot of these introduction things that you didn't really need and then on the on the more important things, like the best original song performances, they just kinda went right into them. And I think that you kinda needed more of that than than announcing announcers to the announcers. So I thought that thing maybe you could have host back into it and inject something, but they moved at 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 at, at, a, at a slower pace than last year, but at at a good pace. I was I was still into it. I was enjoying it. The speeches were were very good. Some of them were very short, which are good as well. But you know, to me, it's it's the same thing that the the, the Oscars aren't going to change for me. To me, it's it's more about a celebration. It's a celebration of 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 cinema. And again, with Parasite winning, I think it, it it expands that that level of appreciation and love for cinema for everybody. And you know, you can have your quarrels with the Oscars and and the Academy and and the choices they make sometimes. But I think once the telecast happens, no matter how it goes, you're there because you're watching it. Maybe because for the fashion or or for the for the Oscars and for award season, but it's also because of the love people have for cinema. It's it's a love for movies for past when you talk about 1929 all the way to now from the 60s the 70s the 80s all the history that's been made along the way as well introducing incredible talent to now to to looking at the present with Parasite winning and Shape of Water and Moonlight winning and you have look at now and then it also is a look at towards the future of what cinema could be as well and what movies can be and I just think it's it's an incredible job. It's it, it's just an incredible love letter to movies, to to things that we love. And, and if you are watching it, for whatever reason, I, I do think you watch it for the appreciation you have for movies and for the art form that it is and for the history that it brings with it. Because it is – the Oscars are, are a shrine. They're, they're, they're a history lesson. They're, they're a look into the history of the Oscars, of, of movies, cinema, storytelling, craftsmanship. And I think every single year they at least get that right in, in, in honoring the past, looking at the present, and or, or really living in the present and looking towards the future of what to come in, in, in future years. So to me it was incredible and I hope to go to the museum in, in, in December or in the next few years because that looks incredible, something that they've been building towards for many, many decades. And so I just think it's – it's just it's just a great showcase of incredible cinema, and I cannot wait to see the next few years of, of what award season brings and what cinema brings, and especially this year. I think last year was such just a great year for cinema in general that it has me excited to see what comes this year, next year, the year after, and I'll always be here talking award season in some capacity, some way. I love award season. I love the Oscars. It's just something that's in my blood. It's my Super Bowl. It's my Super Bowl tracking. I love analyzing it like it's an ES, like it's a sport, like it's from ESPN, and like it's the Super Bowl. It's what I love to do. There's, it's just there's an ebb and flow to it. And I think even though this was a short awards year, there was just so many ups and downs. There was th this film was a front runner at one point, and then Once Upon a Time was a front runner, and then 1917. But Parasite took it in the end. It's just 
It's so incredible, and I loved it, and I'm excited for this year's upcoming award season that's just a few months away. Where we're, People are going to be talking about it now, getting ready for the next Oscars telecast and getting ready for the next award season. Even though we get to take a little bit of a break from that, we still got movies that are coming out this weekend. We have movies that are coming out in the next few weeks, months, that really could look at what we could be seeing next year at the Oscars and what we could be seeing at this year's award season at the tail end of 2020. So it's exciting. And I think this past year has really been an exciting year for movies that haven't been really seen before. So I'm really excited to see what 2020 has to offer, what the future has to offer, and what next award season can bring for the Academy and for us to look forward to. There's a lot of early ones that you can look at, some big ones. You have Tenet with Christopher Nolan. Of course, to me, the big one that could maybe be the Irishman of next year, could be, potentially could be West Side Story. You have Steven Spielberg, Angela Edgord. It's a beloved Broadway show, a beloved film that was an Oscar winner as well. Newcomers, Rachel Zegler is going to be bursting up on the scene and could really be somebody that has been talked about for a while, but she burst into stardom this year as well. So there's a lot to look forward to, and I think we're going to be seeing films that we have no idea about, but films that we could be seeing. What film, Does Netflix have a, another big shot in them? What's going to happen with them? Is there another streaming service that could come along as well? So a lot of exciting things are going to be happening during next year's award season that, that'll be in, in, in the next future months. But for this year's award season, though, it's been one hell of a ride. It's been an incredible journey, ups and downs. And we're, I'm not going to tie it up with a bow just yet because I'm going to be talking to Jason and we'll be really wrapping up as a bow together as we've really been talking about it for the last few months and it wouldn't be right without, without wrapping it up with him during during this year's award so we're going to be still going be going through a lot of award stuff together throughout this year and into next year's award season and so on and so forth in the future but it's been one hell of a ride and we're going to wrap it up with him tomorrow when we talk about the oscars but what do you guys think what do you guys think of, of everything that happened in the academies last night what were your favorite parts what were your not so much favorite parts what were your favorite speeches were you surprised by parasites shocking wins for best picture best director were you happy for it let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now moving on to the last few things that I have on the list here guys I'll be really really quick and the first thing I want to talk about is something that came out on Friday and an official release date has been given for chaos walking and it's been given a release date for January 22nd of 2021 now this is a movie that I've really been tracking for excuse me, a, a while, it's a movie that I had a lot of hype for. It's directed by Doug Liman, and it stars Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland, two of Disney's brightest pupils right now. But the thing about it is that this is a movie that was announced in like 2016, 2017, went into production in 2017, but apparently there was some troubles on sets that required reshoots, and there were extensive reshoots over the last few years that have happened, but it seems like they're at some kind of pace right now where they're able to hit a window into next year around this time, January 22nd, 2021. And, I, and, and I'm wondering if, if this will still be the big film that comes out because I saw Tom Holland is still a big name right now. But when this was announced, Star Wars The Force Awakens was still a big thing. John Boyega, Daisy Ridley were some of the big names to hit, to hit the, the streets of Hollywood right now. But over the last few years... Especially Daisy Ridley, I still think she's a tremendous actress and she has a lot of potential, but she just hasn't been in a lot of things, and and I think her star has kind of 
faded out just a little, little bit after it came out so strong in 2015 with The Force Awakens. And so I think when this was announced, I think the two of them together could have been a big force. And maybe this gives them that potential right now. But Tom Holland is definitely a bigger name right now than Daisy Ridley. But I think the two of them together would be incredible. I think showcasing both of them in something different than what they've done in the past few years with Spider-Man and, and Ray and Star Wars and, and the MCU could be really exciting and, and different. And it's a sci-fi dystopian film and based off of a book doug lyman i think is a really good director but it's it's again it's that january 22nd release date that really has me worried because again we saw success this year in january so far with with bad boys for life coming out in january however we've seen failures bombs like doolittle and we've had underwater not do so well at the box office this year the rhythm section as well that january is still you can have a breakout in spurts in January, but still, it's it's a very it's a dumping ground area where studios just post out things that they want to post out before getting into their more ambitious, more looked at films that they have more focus on to put out throughout the year. And so, hopefully, Chaos Walking is one of those movies. But it doesn't give me a lot of hope when you put it out in January and not even around MLK Day weekend because that is the big weekend and that is what Bad Boys for Life did. Even Doolittle did that to less success in Bad Boys, but that is again the big weekend that January really has that is a holiday weekend. January 22nd is not that. So again, interesting to see how this one lands, but I wouldn't put a lot of emphasis behind this one yet, but it's, it it has me excited and in the next few months, probably towards the tail end of 2020, we'll see trailers and marketing material for Chaos Walking if it hits that January 22nd release date of next year. What do you guys think of this news that Chaos Walking is coming out? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to the last bit of news that I want to talk about today, and that is the first thing is No Time to Die is coming out with a brand new TV spot that aired last night during the Oscars. It's starring it's starring Daniel Craig, Rami Malek, who, who presented Best Actress at the Oscars last night, Lisa Du, Lashana Lynch, Ben Winshaw, Honor De Artemis, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, Christoph Waltz, and Ralph Ray Fiennes will be coming back. And this is something that... I'm excited for it, and every single spot that I see gets me more and more excited for it. It's it's crazy thing. This is going to be the last Daniel Craig Bond. What's going to happen afterwards? Are we going to get more James Bond afterwards? Could this maybe be the end? Is 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 someone else going to take over? What's going to happen? Are we going to see a new Bond afterwards? What could possibly happen? I have no idea, but this new adventure that we're taking, it looks awesome. It looks fun, cool, slick, what we would want to see in a Bond film, and I could not be more excited to see it. It comes out on April 10th in just a few months, so we're coming down to the to, to, to the last mile, to the last leg for No Time to Die during its big marketing push. I, I wonder if we're going to see a trailer in the next few weeks because we're definitely going to get the release of Billie Eilish's new song, which I thought we were going to get last night, but we got the she performed the In Memoriam, which I thought, going back to the Oscars real quick, was really, really nice and touching. She did a great job with that performance. And so I'm interested to see if she's going to be doing that for this year. Well, or like, what, what, what is she going to be? Is, when is the, the song going to be coming out? And when are we going to get a new trailer? So those are questions that I still have as we get to the last leg of No Time to Die coming out on April 10th. Are you guys excited about it? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Last thing I want to talk about is another trailing trailer that's coming out and for a movie that's coming out in just a few weeks in February, and that is for The Invisible Man, in which they came out with a, 
almost a three-minute trailer for the brand-new movie that's being directed by Lee Iwanal and starring Elizabeth Moss and Storm Reed. It's coming out on February 28, 2020. And this is a, a film that I didn't really have a whole lot of excitement about. I'm not a big horror person, but I do love this this invisible man where it i think people can connect to domestic violence abuse and i think the fact that it, it's grounded in real world but at the same time in, in a scary way in which you can't see the perpetrator of what he's doing and it looks scary intense and i'm excited to see this movie and how intense it's going to be i'm not a big horror person but when something attracts me like this i am excited about it i'm a big elizabeth moss person i think she's going to do put on one hell of a performance and i'm excited to see what this Invisible Man take is going to be like. And again, it comes out on February 28th of this year. So just a few weeks away before seeing what it's all about on the last day of February. What do you guys think about it? Did you see the trailer? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Thank you guys. That's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I know it was a long one, but I wanted to get into a lot of the Oscars talk before getting even more in-depth with my good friend Jason Abdow tomorrow, which will kind of wrap up award season and the Oscars in a nice fine bow before looking forward to next year's award season while still taking a little break in between then. But make sure to tune in tomorrow and make sure to tune in to my channel for a lot more content. Check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal Driven Professionals, Geared Toward Improving Client Relations, Return on Investment, and Customer Acquisition Costs for Independent Businesses and Services. And also, check out our brand new show that is on the Ambiguous Network, The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website, ambiguousproduction.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter at Basel Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much. And until next time, keep on screening.